What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Mets Legends cast. I'm Rob Pearsall, starring as Rob Pearsall, and this is Mike Jennings, starring as, um, let's see, uh, Taylor Buckholtz. This is this is Mike J, starring as Taylor Buckholtz. Um, Taylor Buckholtz, what's going on? Well, you know, um, probably the lesser of the two Buckholtz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Yep. I have like I have like a very faint memory of Taylor Buckholtz even being on the Mets. I feel like it was just like in 2011 or 2010, they signed like a slew of relievers that were like just not that good, but mm. they were trying to like throw shit against the wall and hope that some of it stuck. And I think Taylor Buckholtz pitched him like I don't know, like less than 10 games and then just like retired altogether. Um, I'm going to fact check that, but yes, I don't even know. 23 even, games in 2011 for the Mets. And that's 23. All. That's, that's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. And he didn't, he wasn't bad. He had a 3 2 no, ERA in 26 innings. Yeah. He finished eight games. Yeah. His FIP was 445, but serviceable. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. I um I don't even know if he's related to Clay Buckholtz. I wonder if they're just like separate Buckholtzes. How I mean, how could there be? That is such a random name. Yeah, maybe they're cousins. I don't well, think they're let's brothers. See. Let's 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 hit the old Google machine. He is a distant relative of former Major League Baseball pitcher Taylor Buckholtz. Distant relatives. Distant relatives. Just like me and Jimmy. I, yeah, just like you and Jimmy Pearsall. There you go. So it, it exists. All right. But you're right. That, that, that nickname is, I mean, that, that uh, last name is pretty uh, uncommon. So yeah. you, you're probably right. But uh, well, Taylor all B- this, all this talk about Taylor Buckholz is, uh, is only just as depressing as how the Mets have been doing lately. Um, yes. At least we got some laughs, laughs out of it though. I bet you didn't think you were going to be talking about Taylor Buckholz today. Cause I certainly didn't No, for uh, sure. Yeah. That was, that was but, an excellent uh an excellent lead-in uh, yeah. legend reference, and definitely came out of left field for me. <laughs> uh, came out of the left field gate because he was a relief pitcher, actually. Nice, but, there uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're stalling a little bit. Um, the Mets suck um, at the moment. They're a game over 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we last recorded, they've won one game. Uh, they probably only scored one run in that time too. It feels like um, Zach yeah. Wheeler absolutely struck down upon them with great vengeance and furious anger on Sunday. You know what? I think that was the loss I was least mad about, to be honest. Like once, w- basically, once the Mets didn't do anything in the first inning, and then. Walker gave up those two home runs in the bottom of the first. I was like, okay, this game's over. Go Zach Wheeler. <laughs> I just like, after they lost the first two games of the series, I just knew that they were going to get swept. So like, yeah, I, I, I took a mental health day on Sunday and I just didn't watch the Mets. Um, so I wasn't as upset because I just kind of braced myself for that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, um, I agree. But pretty rough week. They took one out of four from Miami, and then they got swept by the Phillies. Um, 
this offense, I mean, maybe it's just recency bias, but this is one of the worst offensive stretches I've seen from the Mets in ever. I don't know, ever. The only other I could think of is like 2015 prior to getting Juan Uribe, Kelly Johnson, Michael Conforto, and Joanna Cespedes, like mm-hmm. early 2015 where they were fielding. And the, the, the thing is like, you kind of expected that back then from those guys because you were yeah. hitting John Avery cleanup um, <laughs> and Eric Campbell third and Ruben Tejada like first. But like, yeah, this is a team full of guys that are that are that all really should be performing at a high clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them to all collectively struggle as much as they have is just really beyond me. I, I just don't. Uh, I just don't really understand it, to be quite honest with you, how all of these guys could just slump all together like this. Like, I don't know if it's just like contagious. I mean, like one, you know, I don't know. It's it's all been so tenuous for so long, too, because I mean, Conforto has been bad the entire season. Like he he's never gotten it going. Um, Dominic Smith has kind of just been treading water. Um, I feel like he's he, you know, he hasn't had terrible slumps he's had a couple dips but like he's just kind of rolling along not really lighting anything on fire not really doing anything particularly badly kind of same with brandon nimmo um especially right now i mean he's in a he's in a down stretch everybody's in a down stretch like no one is there's no player on the mets right now that is like there's no one you can look to that's like oh well at least he's hitting like that's that's just not the case. No one, absolutely yeah. no one, is doing anything. Brandon yeah. Drury I mean, is even cooling. Yeah. Down. Like <laughs> Brandon Drury, Brandon Drury, who seemed to be our, our long lost savior, offensive spark plug, uh, whatever you want to call him, has come crashing back down to earth. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is, it's like it's weird because like they like the Mets in some games have been hitting but they just don't know how to score. It's just the thing. Yeah. It's like, I mean, apart from on, on Friday, which I'm sorry, on Saturday, which was one of the most frustrating ninth innings I've seen in some time Yeah, where you have back to back to back home runs for the first time in, in 15 seasons. Doesn't matter. And, and then you have runners on base for Pete Alonzo and JD Davis against Ian Kennedy who's throwing meatballs at the dish in the same exact spot, 33, 34 miles per hour, six pitches, J.D. Davis and Pete Alonso slunk through each and every single one of them. And they looked late on these Mm. pitches. It's like, I, you, I can't believe it. Like, I just don't (laughs) get it. It really, yeah. It, it really defies any kind of explanation. Um, And like, just, uh, just looking at the baseball reference page and you look at, you know, the team batting lineup that, that is, you know, this is your best team, right? That's how they list it. Like this is your most used guys in each position. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense for them to be this inept at the plate. And, you know, it can't, it can't be Quattlebaum. He's been there long enough to be able to, you know, make a difference i just like it's it's just one of those weird one in a billion things where everyone hits 
a trough at the same time. Now, looking forward, I do think that they can pull out of it. I mean, this was always a team when I think back to like 2019, especially like there were times when it felt at least a little bit similar to this, where it felt like no one could get the big hit. No one could score the runs until they all of a sudden did, but it was too little too late that season. Um, And I'm hoping it's not going to be, you know, repeat of that this year. Same. Uh, And 2019 was a lot of fun. Uh, There were times, I mean, that, that, that year was brutal um, at certain points. I mean, that was the same season where uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same season that Tim, that Tim Healy said, see you tomorrow, Mickey and Jason Vargas threatened to like <laughs> knock his lights out. Was that that year? I, or was, I, I thought that was maybe 2018, but I would, I would believe you if you told me it was 2019. 20, I, 2018 was Callaway's first year as manager. So I don't think that that would have happened in his first year. Okay. I think it was 2019 where the Mets were really struggling and Callaway was really on the hot seat. Um, Callaway was so bad. He was a terrible manager. Also a terrible person. So also a terrible person. Yeah. I, I wish Mickey. I wish Mickey Callaway a very fuck you. Yes. Um, <laughs> in the meanest way possible. In the, no way. In the meanest, yeah. In the meanest way possible. But it's yeah. I mean it's. I think that if you did like a simulation of this season, like 10 times, yeah, what we're seeing right now would be the, the worst result, like the worst possible outcome. Like yeah. you would, you would think that like, okay, maybe Conforto struggles and maybe Smith struggles, but then Pete Alonzo and Nimmo and, you know, Baez could pick them up. And then when mm-hmm. Baez struggles, you know, Davis can pick them up or whatever it is. You know, they have enough guys who have a track record of being very good offensive players. Mm -hmm. Um, But for them to all be this lost at once is just inexplicable. And, you know, I I don't know. I I do wonder if it's, if it's a side effect of the absolutely brutal first half scheduling wise that this team had, I mean, you could kind of hear grumblings of it from a number of different guys about, you know, having a, having a night game getaway game and then having to play the very next day. Like, I wonder if all of that's kind of catching up to them at this point. And like, yeah, there's really, and sure. there's really no, there's really no respite either. Like when you look at the, the uh, you know, the upcoming games, they have, you know, 51 games left and only seven off days. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And those are probably, you know, those are game. Those are days now where you hope that they don't have any more rainouts. You know that they don't mm-hmm. have to have another day like that where they they're playing another double header. And yeah, I'm sure. You know, and I think a lot of these guys too. You know, I know a lot of other teams are probably um, dealing with it as well. But they're playing a full season again for the first time. Um, yeah. You know, and you're seeing. I think Taiwan Walker has has been struggling because of it you know he's throwing more innings than he ever has um mm-hmm. you know or has in some time uh even tyler mcgill is is approaching territory that's unchartered um and a lot of these guys too i think are playing through injury a lot of these guys i think are yeah. i think jd yeah. davis i read is playing through his hand injury still so he's kind of banged up Jeff i think mcneil is definitely not 100 percent yeah, Brandon Nemo, I think, is probably battling something. Javi Baez has been battling that foot thing, and now he has this back thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to be an excuse. You know, I mean, this isn't an excuse. But I think just me, like any other Mets fan, we're just really trying to figure out why it's like this. Is it because you had Chili Davis as your hitting coach early in the season, and now you have a, a hitting coach that has a completely different philosophy? I don't um, think is so. it? I don't think so either. I mean, I don't know how much a hitting coach these days is really even like going to affect an offense that much. Um, right. I mean, you can, you can work on certain things with certain guys, but like it's, it's yeah. a very individual basis kind of relationship. I would imagine where it's like, I don't know. I would imagine Quattlebaum is looking, you know, talking to a guy like James McCann and being like, Hey, maybe start trying to go the other way a little bit more like you were earlier this season. Like it's, it's, I feel like it's those kind of adjustment kind of things and not necessarily like a wholesale approach change during the middle of the season. I can't imagine that that would be what they're doing. I think a big thing too is I think now they know that they're struggling. Like, obviously, like, you know, like I mean, yeah, they're very aware. Like they, yeah. They're very aware that they're struggling. And I think that kind of magnifies the issue a little bit more mm-hmm. because now they're all trying to like, I think the pressure is kind of mounting like every time they're at the dish and like when they don't score, it just exacerbates it more. Yeah. Um, so I think that that might be a thing with it too. Um, and I'm sure they're frustrated. You know, I'm sure they're, I'm sure yeah. they're as frustrated as we are. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, if not more so, like they're the ones going out there and actually experiencing like this day in day out drudge of, uh, absolute slog uh, that has yep. been july and august and i think i think this off day is could be really important for them could be a really important point to just kind of like take a day to collect yourself and be like oh okay you know we're in the last basically quarter of the season you know let's let's go out there i guess it's a, a closer to a third than a quarter of the season left to go yeah um and you know just kind of say to yourself like all right let's let's get it together and start you know start mashing some fastballs because dear lord it is sad to watch right now yeah i mean it's it's brutal um you know like you said hopefully they use the day off to recharge um as we're recording it's an off day it's monday the mets are off tonight um and, you know, they played in Philadelphia over the weekend, so they probably left after the game yesterday, got to sleep in their own, their own beds last night, got to sleep in their own beds, beds today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get ready for the series with Washington, you know, get on track. And then this team makes no sense. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't really be surprised if they go out to the West Coast, you know, with the Dodgers and the Giants yeah. and just like, and like take, take those series take those series yeah i was i yeah. was thinking the same thing i mean when you've when the when they've played teams that are good like it, it's almost it's almost a situation where and like I, I always felt like a lot of the sports teams that i played on as a kid it was like if you were playing a good team you would play better if you were playing yeah. a bad team you play worse it's like so you kind of let your guard down a little bit when you play these bad teams you know yeah. And then, I mean, the thing with Philly 
it's just that Philly's been the hottest team in baseball lately, and the Mets have been the the iciest, coldest team in baseball. And when when those two come together for a series, I mean, uh, I can't say I'm shocked by by the result. Um, so I I think go out and beat up on a team that's already down in the Nationals, and and we'll have a very different conversation come you know Friday Monday. Yeah, I mean, you got to hope that they could beat Washington. I mean, Washington sold off most of their key pieces. Soto is day to day. I don't even know. I mean, who knows if he's going to play all three games in this series? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's. But, I mean, up. every team is every team is dealing with that. Like, I can't even can't even point to that as like a as you know, something that's even remotely like promising. You know what I mean? Like Reese Hoskins didn't play at all against the Mets. Um, yeah. Like a, a lot of teams have really good players who are all missing time. So um, it must be tough. I mean, it might, I mean, baseball is a grueling schedule to begin with, you know, traveling as much as they do playing every day, playing in the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when you don't do that for a whole season, I mean, even last year when they did play their like expedited season, they weren't traveling out to the West coast. You know, they were right. playing just pretty locally. You know, they're playing teams in their division. They're playing teams that were close. You know, the Mets played the NL, the AL East mm-hmm. and uh, they played their, you know, their, their NL East teams. This is the first season back, you know, since 2019 where they're a having a full season again, but B, they're traveling like this again. And then the Mets did like they did. They had to play catch up with all the games that they, they missed. Um, so, I mean, you know, these guys are banged up. These guys are tired. You know, the rotation, their pitching has been good. I mean, even apart yeah. from yeah. missing DeGrom, missing Lucchese, missing Cindergaard, not getting Carrasco back until recently, you know, Peterson being out, Jared Eikhoff having to pitch and serve up, 10 runs a game, you know, they're pitching though. I mean, apart from Eikhoff has been pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, and if their offense was just decent, like, you know, we would be having a different conversation right now. Yeah. Um, so I know tensions are running high. Um, you know, Twitter has definitely been a negative space um, among Mets fans. Really bad. Lately. Uh, I've, been, I've been trying to lay low on it for the most part, um, you know, the only thing I was really, you know, lamenting was, was losing Zach Wheeler, but that's just been me every day since he left. Um, I, miss, <laughs> yeah. I miss him so goddamn bad. Um, yeah. I think we all but, do, especially after, especially after yesterday, just like. He has, of he has course, over yeah. of course, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Who can be surprised that, especially after, the way he was treated by the organization, which we've talked quite a bit about, um, whether it was not being able to sit with the team during the playoffs in the dugout while he was hurt, um, or even the way he was treated when he reached free agency, like good for him. Honestly, good for him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, like there are a lot of fans out there that, 
even still they don't recognize how good wheeler is like mm-hmm. even even after he like completely shuts them down wheeler has over five wins above replacement this year and might very well win the cy young um you know it's probably a two-horse race between him and walker bueller at this point if yeah. Degrom doesn't come back and even Degrom probably is not going to have enough i think yeah i think i think Degrom is like i mean first of all i don't i don't really foresee him pitching that many innings down the stretch even if he does come back um and i i don't think he'll he'll pitch enough innings to to be in the conversation unfortunately especially given how freaking good he was yeah i mean he was having a year that could have went down um you know in the history books Mm -hmm. um if he kept it up but you know with that with all this being said you know they do have what do we say 51 games left yeah, pretty much a third of the season is still outstanding. So there's, it's not like, you know, I feel like a lot of the banter on Twitter um, leading up to this series was like, oh, this is the series. This is the season right here. You know, if the Mets can't keep the Phillies at bay, like they'll never, they'll, you know, they'll be surpassed and never look back. But that is just, I, I think that's a pretty, dumb stance to take to be quite frank because <laughs> 51 games left that's only nine less than they even played all of last season like and a lot happened yeah. last year I, I i chalk up last season as like a non like it doesn't count in my mind but like baseball was still played and there were still a lot of different things that happened over the course of the 60 game season totally um, so like any anything can happen down this stretch um it could get worse <laughs> but i don't think it will because i think this team has too much talent uh to let it get that much worse and it would it would be very messy if they just like you know had this like everyone's downtrodden and like you know feels like the season's over and then they just have this crazy stretch where they just like completely dominate <laughs> right now Right. You know, not, not to say that's going to happen. It could. Um, I think as a Mets fan, like even, even like the people that are really being negative about it right now, like I think there's always being a Mets fan, like this sliver deep down where you just have this optimism kind of beyond all logic that mm-hmm. something crazy could happen, you know, that, that, you know, something, you know, that everything could just click and, and, and they don't look back, you know, like it have just you- is have you bought that book? So many ways to lose. I haven't, but uh, buy Devin it. Gordon. Yeah, buy it and read it because you pretty much quoted like a passage from the first chapter right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Devin Gordon's a really cool guy. We we're, we follow each other on Twitter. Um, we've interacted here and there. Um, I know you've raved about his book a lot, and uh, I like the content that he pumps out. So I might really have to read. read. Yeah, I might have to read it. I think that it would be right up my alley. I especially think right now is a very poignant time to read that book, um, or at least just crack it open and read the first two chapters. Like you kind of get the gist in those first, really the first chapter and the preface. Like you, you get the idea, and then uh, it just kind of walks through a timeline of each sort of era of the Mets after that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like that's that's the crazy thing about it is like this team 
especially the way that they're put together with the kind of hitters that they have. I, I am holding out hope that they will go on a tear. Me too. Stretch. Um, Me too. Because, because we've seen it before and it's, it's happened quite a bit actually. Like, and all it could take is like, I mean, we really don't know the true status of Francisco Lindor. We also don't really know the true status of Jacob deGrom. Like that's kind of the reality now. If this was, if this was an old regime team, I feel like DeGrom would have already been pushed to come back and he probably would have hurt himself again. And if, or same thing with Lindor, I would assume too. Like as soon as he said like, Oh, I'm starting to feel pretty good. They would be like, well, you're in the lineup tonight. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Hey, Francisco, you're you're oblique hurts. I don't give a shit. You're fucking (laughs) Hey, Javi Baez, you got a, you you have a, a, a bum foot. You guys are playing right who up there. Yeah. yeah. Who gives a fuck? Um, but I, 2016, at this point in 2016, the Mets were under 500. Um, mm-hmm. Logan Verrett started a game and they were under 500. And, hey, man. Uh, <laughs> Logan Verrett's a solid dude. <laughs> Logan Verrett's a cool guy. Um, but yeah, they were under 500 at this point in 2016, and they ended up, you know, pulling it out. Um, 1969, you know, I, I wanted to run through a wall for Art Shamsky today because he tweeted that uh, the 69 Mets. It was kind of around this time of year where, like, they kind of caught mm-hmm. fire and they ended mm-hmm. up, you know, winning the World Series. And the, the 69 Mets, like, they weren't. They kind of came out of nowhere. Like, they kind of came out of left field no pun intended and ran away with that like the Cubs were the team that year that were really good and then they had this like epic collapse um but the Mets were would they go from from last place to first place to win that division in 69 yeah I don't know I don't know how far down they were um but I mean they weren't they weren't playing particularly well yeah that so you just never know I mean Lindor seems to be doing well Hopefully you get him back. Hopefully yeah. Javi Baez's injury is not too bad. For God's sakes, get me Jose Peraza back on this field. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I miss well, Jose yeah. Peraza. Um, <laughs> also, I just want to say, just because I need to get it out, but I'm so sick of Kevin Pillar. Yeah, I- I'm me really too. sick. Like, like thank you for like being like a trooper and, 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 and being a badass, like, mm-hmm. you know, for getting hit in the face with the ball, but, uh, or sorry, not being a badass for getting hit in the face, but being a badass and coming back as soon as he did. Yeah. It. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but the allure of Kevin Pillar has worn off. Um, he's terrible. He's just not very good at baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'm really tired of seeing him. Um, and, you know, I, I would like rather I would rather they take their chances with Albert Almora going forward, honestly. At this point, like Almora at the very least is gonna give you better defense than Pilar will. Mm-hmm. At the very least. Like mm-hmm. like at the plate, who knows? But like Almora, if he plays as much as Pilar has been playing, which has been a lot, he's at least gonna be a better defender. Um I would even call Khalil Lee up from AAA again. He's playing really well in AAA. Maybe he's not fully seasoned yet, so that might be a little bit where they're wary, but he's been on a tear. That's what they Maybe said about Michael ready. Conforto. You know? Yeah. Um, 
even I know the Rangers recently designated David Dahl for assignment and he's not, he's having a really bad year as well. You know, I'm not going to say he's not, he is, he's having a terrible He's a year. professional hitter though. But and that's the thing. It's like, he has this track record that's been decent. Like I would, I, I don't know if there's been a resolution on his waiver status yet, but I would even take a flyer on him and just get rid of Pilar. Like at the very yeah. least, you're not going to get anything worse than what you're getting out of Pilar. Um, they already have, I mean, they like now that the team is, in a much better place in terms of health, which is kind of crazy to say now than they were even, you know, a couple months ago, you have Mason Williams in AAA, you have Khalil Lee in AAA, um, and Brandon Jury can play the corner positions. Like, I, I completely agree with you. He, Kevin Pillar just needs to be done. Like, we need to move on. Yeah, I mean – I know the Mets are really big on club chemistry. And that's been kind of the joke. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they're going to hang a banner at City Field next year that says 2021, everybody was really good friends. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, Pilar, I'm, I'm going to pull up his numbers right now just because, like, I think it's, like, important to note how good – or how good – how bad he's been how not good uh, how not good he's been even <laughs> yeah. you know even jonathan vr like i'm fine with him as a bench guy he drives me nuts on the base paths mm-hmm. um and okay kevin pilar he has 0.0 wins above replacement so he's been a completely replacement level player he has a 69 wrc plus he and just for a frame of reference for anyone listening the baseline is a hundred, which is like average. Like average. Yeah. Yeah. So same with OPS the, plus he's at 68. Yeah. And what's the baseline? A hundred on the hundred. Yeah. Yeah. His WOBA is two sixty six. Yeah. That's like under 300 is, is anything under 300 on the low end is, is bad. Um, the thing that sucks about Pilar though, is that he has this weird option in his contract where it's like, I don't know how it works because baseball reference says it's a club option, but um, Fangraph says it's a player option. Um, so I don't know. Like, Mutually agreed upon option. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's just like, but looking like when, when, when they first signed that deal, it was like, okay, like it's not too bad. You didn't spend that much for him. You probably could have allocated your resources a little bit better. And then he had that good start to the season and mm-hmm. he gets hit in the face. He becomes a fan favorite. The team is is exciting and they're fun. It was he was fine for the time, you know. He was fine right. for that time, but the team right now is no longer fun, and it's this is no more like like joking matter about anything, like you know. So obviously he's not the the their their main problem. Like you get rid of him, you're not solving everything. Obviously. But that would be at the very least like a start, like like yeah. start to make these little moves where mm-hmm. you're where you're trying to just to do get what you some can. sort of thing going, you know, yeah. like yeah, because you're not going to run Pilar out there every day and and get different results at this point. You're no. not like no. he is what he is now, and he's older now too. I mean, he's he's 32. He's going to be 33 in January. He's lost a step or two in the outfield. 
Mm-hmm. He's made some okay plays, but he's not the elite defender he was when he was 27, when he was you well, know, like that was always his big plus. It was like he was he was a an elite defender with who could handle the bat a little bit. Like he's yeah. he's never been a great hitter anyway. So like why not why not why not take another chance on Khalil Lee this season? Because I mean I do think he has legitimate talent. He just got off to a horrific start uh in his major league career so like you send him back down what's the like i don't think (laughs) i don't think it would make any difference at this point if you put khalil lee up to the plate or kevin pilar up to the plate like the outcome there's no difference the outcome would be the same like probably a strikeout (laughs) you know what i mean and and at least with Khalil Lee, it's like he's gaining that major league experience that he can take forward next season and beyond. So, like, Kevin Pillar is just a waste of, of a roster spot right now. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty funny. I just looked up Al Mora's numbers. Do you oh, they're horrible. A, do, you wanna, do you wanna take a guess at what his WRC plus is? No, but I can see that his OPS plus is negative three, which is I, I, I didn't even know you could do that. I thought zero was like the absolute minimum. His no, his 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 WRC plus is also negative three. <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, like Almora, like you know, we're talking about replacement level. We're talking about bench pieces, you know. Yeah, yeah. And while that's really bad, um. Almora only has 46 plate appearances this year. Um, It's a very, very small sample size. So, I mean, he's been not great, um, but I would at least be willing to try to see if you get anything out of him, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like you have him, you know, you're clearly not getting rid of him. He's on the team. And they have been playing him. He played a little bit in Miami. He had that that what three hit game in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Which, so, which were like which were like half of his hits on the season or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he has six try. hits. You never, you never know. Maybe he maybe he has a good se- several. He hasn't done anything to prove it so far, but maybe he has a good last several weeks. But yeah. you know, I, I, I he does have six hits and three doubles. Like I think that's pretty. That's that's not bad. No. I mean, listen, you're, you know, at the very least, Pilar is not cutting it. I would try Almora. I would try Khalil Lee. I would, I would even be willing to, to um, call up some guys like Carlos Cortez from the minors. Um, you know, try out some of these guys. Um, hit the waiver wire. Maybe bring in a guy like David Dahl, who's having a bad season, but could maybe you maybe catch lightning in a bottle with. Um, but at this point, it's like I would have rather to have I'd rather still have Billy McKinney than have than have Kevin Pillar. Well, I don't know. I mean, even with McKinney, I feel like a lot of his luster wore off toward the end of his time with the Mets, too. Like, like he got off to a really hot start and he was really doing a lot of good things for the team, but like by the end I didn't really feel like it was I didn't really I I wasn't I was appreciative of what he was able to bring to the team um and I think you know I think he he similar to Pilar he filled a role um and he did an admirable job but like I think I think given the you know the need in front of the team I think 
McKinney was the right move to DFA. Well, at this point, yeah, no, I I don't, I don't regret the move, especially since, you know, this prospect they got Carlos Rincon has actually been tearing it up in the minors. Um, So that that was a good move. Um, And sometimes it's a galvanizing thing for a player is to, you know, be given up on by another team. So you have to go and like prove it, not just to yourself, but to, to what your new team and be like, look, I do have value. You know, and and I think that's exactly the kind of thing that could happen, like what you're talking about, even at the major league level with someone like David Dahl. Like, why not? (laughs) Seriously, why not? David Dahl, I'm just going to pull up his, you know, some of his numbers really quick. The point while we're waiting, I mean, the point that I was kind of like getting at with McKinney is that like, I don't regret that trade so much. Mm -hmm. I, I like, but I would be like, I guess what I meant to say is like, I would be okay with making another move like that, you know, like bringing in a guy that like, even if it's for the last several weeks of the season, who's going to benefit you in a positive way. Um, So David Dahl having a really bad year. He's, he has a negative 0.8 F4. Um, He had a bad year last year too. Um, He was hurt for a lot of last year though. Yeah, he only played in, in 24 games last year. So 2019 was his last, like, quote-unquote full season. But between 2018 and 2019, he played in 177 games. He hit he hit uh, 31 home runs mm-hmm. in, in that time period. Um, so he has some pop in his bat. Um, I don't think you, you lose anything by picking up someone like him, you know, even, even with how atrocious he's been. Um, you know – you don't, especially like if you're just picking him up off the waiver wire, if he clears waivers and you sign as a free agent, like, I don't know. Those are the kind of moves I hope the Mets kind of make, um, you know, yeah. or they start to make, you know, like they got to get something. Especially done. on someone who, like, there's, there's truly no risk involved. Like, yeah. Like you're not, you're not losing out on another, you know, 40 man roster spot unless, unless you call them up. Um, so like get you know go out on the waiver wire and get as much as you can like i saw that the uh the giants right uh dfa to aaron sanchez yeah i'm i'm get i am doing everything sign him I and can. put him in the pen like yeah innings I'm, eater low yep. leverage guy why not i mean it's kind of worked for yenzi diaz to be yeah. that low leverage guy but you could probably use two of those yeah, totally. And Aaron Sanchez is someone who could also start as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like, he's a better option than any other like backup option they have right now to start a game. You know, and like Jared Eikhoff. <laughs> Jared Eikhoff, if he starts another game as a Met this year, the season's a failure. Yeah. Like, there's no reason Eikhoff should start another game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, to kind of end this on episode on a positive note. Yeah. The Mets have time. You know, and maybe this is just like the equivalent of us like applying clown makeup. Um, but I'll do it. There is I don't this care. there there is this sliver of optimism that that lives in each Mets fan's heart. <laughs> and for whatever reason, like I, I definitely felt down and out about the season, like or at least the last couple of weeks. But there is this part of me that's just like believe like something might happen like there's this the slight gut feeling that something could happen and this division is attainable like the the phillies are not this powerhouse team that can't be taken down 
Right. You know, they have a lot of holes in their, in their, on their roster as well. You know, I mean, Zach Wheeler is great. Aaron Noah is, is, is really good as well. But beyond that, like, I don't know, Kyle Gibson, serviceable guy, but their rotation's okay. Their bullpen yeah. is okay. Um, they're not a team that, that can't be beat. You know, they're just going through a hot stretch right now. If we get another hot stretch, you know, if we get a hot stretch, I don't know if the Mets have really even had a hot stretch this year. Yeah, not uh, really. But they they could they could you know they could take this division back and hopefully they do you know that's that's kind of the positive optimism I'm trying to practice today. Yeah, and the the thing that has stuck out to me about this team is they have a five man rotation again. Like that, <laughs> there were times when this rotation was truly down to just three guys. Uh, yeah. For stretches, stretch multiple stretches of the season. So like having five bona fide starters that you can run out there and have a chance to win and have them go five plus innings. That, that does a lot for a team. And you it know, does. the Mets have always been a team that's been built on pitching. Um, and so, you know, keep it going and the bats will come around. Um, and I think that can't really be understated enough. Like um Taiwan Walker has struggled, obviously. You know, hopefully he's just going through a little bit of a rut. I mean, I'm sure he's a little tired, you know, that he he's pitched so many innings this year. But mm-hmm. Stroman is doing an admirable job anchoring this rotation right now. He's pitching really yeah. well. He's yeah. having the best year of his career, probably. Um, Tyler McGill is going to have some growing pains. I mean, he's a rookie that that probably wouldn't have been in the big leagues otherwise or probably wouldn't have been in the big leagues until around this time, maybe September. Yeah, but having Rich Hill, having Carlos Carrasco, having Stroman, the rotation's in a much better place than it has been for a lot of this year, and hopefully that benefits them as they have this stretch run the next the next several weeks. Yep. But we will catch you guys later this week. Um, we will this time. We've been. We will this time. That. Mike Mike <laughs> J was away. Um, yeah. The Mets were the Mets weren't doing great. I was working. You know things happen, but yeah. Stay tuned this week. We'll maybe talk about Omar Minaya and Adam Rubin. Um, we'll maybe talk about Steve Traxel, the human rain delay. Oh, um, but stick around and find out. Signing off. This is me, John Buck, 2013 April winner of the New York <laughs> Mets with my partner, Dilson Herrera. And I'll love we'll me see some you guys Dilson. later this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep the faith. Keep the faith.